Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Again, let's just take a couple moments and relax. Set aside anything else that's been going on right, to, right now, today, in your life. And just let's just make ourselves available to the Lord and recognize that we are exactly where we're supposed to be. That His ways are not our ways. We look for we look for things that accommodate our beliefs, our soul, our bad habits, and He is using those very things to bring healing and truth to our soul, to reunite our soul with our spirit. This is not to, you know, put, uh, promote Christianity or his belief system. And in fact, one of the things that I think we're going to be experiencing more and more is a separation between what we can traditionally call Christianity and relationship. That uh, we see so much emphasis on Christianity as a social structure rather than a relationship that has a real person involved that that God is real he's a a real somebody we can have a relationship with somebody we can know and be known by rather than having the purpose of our beliefs to to affect others or to meet a standard of some kind in other words we don't want to put off till tomorrow after we die or some other time to have a relationship with God. If you're waiting to find out how you're doing till you die, you know, God will let you know if you're if you did okay you get to go to heaven. If you didn't you go to hell. Well it's kinda late at that point. So what we're learning is God is, is present. And even saying that is part of our whole understanding of time, that we have authority and power over time, and that our entire existence is in the now. And we can go back and forward. We, don't, we aren't to live at the mercy of our past or the fear of our future. This is where contentment and joy and rest are a good measure of our relationship with God. That doesn't mean that we're never anxious or depressed or even angry. But those are not our driving force. Those are things that our soul 
and sometimes even our body will experience, but they do not determine our identity or our relationship with God or with others. So we've been talking about, as we know him, how we start to see ourselves. How we start to relate to our soul. And how that affects our relationship with him and our belief system. And even if you know, we can reject what God is doing in our lives if we don't if we don't know him and if we don't have the same perspective that he does on what he's doing in our lives. In a sense, Christianity, well, relationship, relational Christianity, knowing God, it's very personal. And the more you get to know him, the more you're going to see all the circumstances in your life as crafted by God for you. That God has you here on this earth right now under whatever circumstances you're in. The family life you have, the friend life, the community, the state, the country, those are all crafted by God for you. Now we can say, you know, well that's, you know, that can't be. I'm in the middle of a war zone. Or my marriage is is ruined, you know, and I'm losing my kids. How could that possibly be what God wants for me now? And that's exactly the the right question. Except rather than it being a challenge to the belief of God allowing bad things to happen, it's instead, it's a challenge to our belief, why can't it happen? That in order to learn certain things, we can only learn them, and this is God's decision, not ours. I mean, if it was up to us, I have a suspicion we would all want nothing but rainy day, uh, beautiful days and nothing ever going wrong and we'd all be healthy and prosperous and have great relationships all the time. We'd never want anything bad to happen in our lives. might be boring, but I suspect we would all choose that if we could. And yet that's not God's purpose for us. That's not God's intent for us. Again, somehow the circumstances that God has placed you in right now are crafting in you what pleases him. He sees the final product of what you are, spirit, soul, and body. Now, your spirit's a done deal. Who you truly are is spirit. You're alive in him, in God, 
that's a done deal. You can kind of picture that your spirit and God himself are looking at your soul and your body here on this earth and kind of whispering and going, oh, look what's, okay, they're coming up on this particular situation and it's going to expose this wound or or this belief. How You know, let's do this over here to prepare them and let's have this ready for when that challenge comes up. And they're conspiring, not against you, but for you, for your soul. For what purpose? For what result? That your soul would be returned to its pristine state, to its original state, not the one you came came into this earth with, not... You know, we don't know whether, you know, we don't know how we get our souls or when or what they look like. Whether we we receive a soul that's pristine and then all of a sudden it, you know, it receives generational issues and abandonment issues as in in the first five months of life, for instance, whatever. We don't know that. But we do know that our soul does not have life, eternal life, true life, life as God intended it to have on its own. It has a form of life, just as our body has a form of life, but not eternal life. The only place you have eternal life is in your spirit. But your soul and spirit are meant to work together. Your soul is meant to be fully connected, one but not not one with your spirit, but not the same. Your soul is not going to lose its. I don't believe its its own identity, its own temperament, its own qualities. God gave you the gift of your soul. It doesn't evaporate. Adam and Eve, when they were walking around, Adam had his own temperament. Eve had her own temperament, even though they were walking around as living spirit beings. Underneath the soul and the spirit, they had their own body. Adam had his own body, his own male body, and Eve had her own female body. And she had certain color hair, and he had certain color eyes. Now, neither one of them noticed their physical bodies. Neither one of them functioned out of their power of their soul because they were fully living out of their spirit. They hadn't died yet. And they didn't die in their soul. They didn't die in their body. They died in their spirit. And then from then on, they saw each other physically for the first time. That spirit that was was on the outside was gone. They saw each other face to face for the first time, physically. And they saw each other's soul. They experienced probably frustration and anger that they had never experienced before out of their soul. Because before, Adam's soul was getting all his questions answered by his own spirit. It was all internal. There was never even... 
doubt. There was never any questioning. There was just life. And and Eve didn't need Adam. Adam didn't need Eve because they were one with each other because they were already one in God. All their needs were already met because they were fully spirit beings. But there was something missing. We've talked about this before. Appreciation, gratitude. Odds are there's other things that we don't understand that we don't comprehend that we're missing. You know, think about, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, we don't, we don't know to what extent the Garden of Eden was a, you know, a, a garden or how long they stayed there, whether it was, you know, 20 years or 2 million. We just don't know. And we don't know, you know, the, the old, what it was like when they were kicked out what the world was like, what their world was like when they were kicked out of the garden. We, we do know that God did that all for a purpose. It wasn't random. It wasn't, it, it, the incident, the circumstance didn't sneak up on God, where he's like, oh, no, how'd this happen? You know, the serpent, you know, the, the form of the serpent didn't just all of a sudden sneak in there behind God's back. No, there was, there's something about depending on our soul and our soul failing us that creates something in us that God values. That doesn't mean he values your spirit less, who you truly are. It's it's an addition. And again, I, for, for now, I think the best description is gratitude. Appreciation for what God is, what he does in our lives. For his healing, for his presence, for his love, for who he is. And the, again, those are things that Adam and Eve could not experience because they never had any needs. But you and I have needs. Our soul is incomplete, and God made it that way. Our body is incomplete, and God made it that way. But he made our fulfillment available through spirit. And he draws us by his very presence, by his goodness in a variety of different ways. And our opportunity is to learn to respond. Not Again, not so we will please him or get bonus points or a bigger crown. No, it's so we can become one, spirit, soul, and body. So how do you see your yourself, your soul? Spend some time thinking about what your temperament is like, what your soul is like, what you struggle with, your strengths, your weaknesses. 
And this is not about, you know, speaking, you know, speaking, you know, positive, um, positive talk. Just, okay, never, if you never admit that you're hurting, you'll never hurt. You know, if you never admit that you are angry, you know, any, any negative things, if you just avoid admitting that, um, that that's somehow pleasing to God, no. Every, every emotion, every choice we make, every decision, every thought, it, all things come from God. Even those emotions, those thoughts, those choices, they all come from him. He's crafted them for you. They're a part of your soul. And that soul, your soul is God's gift to you. But what that starts to do is helps us recognize that there is, personally speaking, a distinction between your spirit and your soul. And the more we can accept that, that our spirit and soul right now are two different things, though we're in the process of God restoring our soul to its rightful position with our spirit. He's doing it, and so often we're resisting it. When we remind our soul, when we remind ourselves what our soul truly is, when it's united with spirit, our soul is then more ready to accept the changes that God is making in our life, in our, between our soul and our spirit. For instance, if we're going through life thinking we're worthless or we need to please God or we, you know, we're going to be judged on how many people we bring into the kingdom or how well we serve our pastor or how many of our neighbors we have witnessed to or how much of the Bible we've memorized or how many trips we've made to Israel. Fill in the blank or how often we feel his presence. When we evaluate our relationship with God on things that are solical, we are restricting, we are holding on to our beliefs. And on the one hand, God knows that. He understands that this is our tendency. This is our, our base solical nature is to control. And the the funny thing is, is that that's what God put in there as our soul's basic function, to control. God values that control. Our problem is, is that 
when that control is separated from our spirit. So on the one hand, God is bringing us healing and health and showing us where we need, our beliefs need to change and what the truth is, revealing himself, revealing and being our way, our truth, our life, so meeting our needs in perfection, in absolute fulfillment of those needs. He does that. And yet, we, are, we simply find another area of our soul that's resisting that. Our soul has learned to live with rejection and now expects it. And is going to be suspicious of anything that God is doing. Especially when God is doing something good and enjoyable and unconditional. We have such a hard time accepting the unconditional provision or love or acceptance or value that God does not require anything from you or of you for him to count you as his beloved, to treat you as his beloved. And what's beloved? To be loved. something in the process of our soul being restored to our spirit that seems like God can't accomplish in any other way than our existence here on this earth. And we always, what do, what can we do to not hinder God and cooperate with what he's doing? He wants us to focus on truth, and he is truth. And there is a truth about who you are in your spirit and in your soul. And when there's a difference between who you are in your spirit and who you are in your soul, there has to be a reconciliation between the two. And your spirit is where God's truth resides. And so that's not going to change. So if in your soul you believe that you've made mistakes in your past that are going to keep you from being from ever being able to achieve what God has set out for you to do here on this earth, if that's what you believe and God reveals to you, no, in your spirit you are already his beloved. You have already achieved everything you need to achieve that he loves you unconditionally now. He's not holding any of the mistakes against you. He wants you free and loved and joyous and at rest. And if we're over here trying to measure up, trying to try harder, trying to be perfect, trying to please him, and God on the other side is saying, no, you don't have to. All you need to do is accept my love, accept who you are in your spirit, One of those is going to change. Those two things cannot cohabitate. That's where we get the whole double-minded man being unstable, is we're Christians are are the unstable ones. Because we are both spirit 
living spirit and lively soul, overprotective soul, over-involved soul. There has to one of them. Only one of them is right, and only one of them leads to life, and that's spirit. And these are the beliefs that God reveals to us that if what he says about you doesn't line up with what you say about you, you're the one who's going to have to change your truth. If God says there's nothing you need to do to be loved by me, and we say, I know you say that, but you don't know what I've done. I screwed up so bad back there. And that's one of you know the things we all struggle with is we've all made mistakes. We've all hurt people. We've all made choices that we regret. And we think, okay, we've been, you know, God can't do what he wanted to do, and we've messed it all up, and now we have to try to make up for it. That's pretty, pretty common. But whatever it is, there's things in your soul that your soul has used as armor to protect itself, to protect you, to protect your life, that don't line up with the truth of your spirit. And that truth in your spirit is not going to change. It's your soul that's going to have to change. Now, this is God's timing. God's got a plan. He's got a pathway that you're on. But when we start accepting that we're the ones that are going to have to change. Now, a lot of times, very often what happens is we then go, okay, well, I've got everything under control, you know, the soul says, so I'm not going to be concerned about your truth. And we just try to hold God at arm's length. This is why so many are attracted to the whole idea of, you know, just hanging in there until God takes us out of here and we're in the next, you know, millennium that we're raptured or caught up to heaven or we die and we're at the throne of God, whatever, that we don't have to deal with it. Really, it's just procrastination. that We don't have to deal with anything. God won't hold us accountable for just delaying it because we didn't know. Ignorance is bliss. We think ignorance, ignorance is an excuse. Now, all those things, we, our soul has contrived to try to explain or give us a good reason to not accept God's truth, which includes his unconditional love. Because all those things are not true. He's not saying, okay, when, after, when you die, you're going to get to heaven, you're going to, you know, I'm going to hold it against you that you didn't rise above the mistakes you made or that you made those mistakes to begin with. He doesn't hold anything against you. And I don't even think it's the, the, that sequence is going to be how we go to the next thing, whatever it is that you die and you go to heaven you're before his throne and he does a movie reel of, of this is what this is your life. Now I think that's that's pretty contrived by our soul. 
because it feeds into our soul-maintaining control. So remind, start reminding your soul, and God is going to start knocking on your door and saying, no, you know, say, you know, in a relationship situation, say there's areas where you're disappointed or things have changed or you can't express yourself, whether it's with your family or your, your job or your neighbor. It's not about being a good little Christian. It's about asking the Lord, is there something here where my soul is behaving in a way that does not, that is not a part of the way your spirit acts, the way your spirit behaves, the characteristics, the nature of who I truly am. And let him speak into your life. Let him change you. Let him bring to your attention those areas that he is changing. This is where we learn appreciation. Let's say you're having a, you know, a, a, a conflict with your neighbor. And over time you find it just doesn't matter anymore. And it's somehow easily resolved. And a year later you find out that neighbor, you find yourself friends with that person. Because God changed you, and you were willing to be changed. So you could appreciate not just your new neighbor, your neighbor being a, a, a new friend, and that God has made changes in you, but you could see him work. You, I get it now, Lord. He gives us understanding. He gives us Understanding of how our soul works, how the supernatural works, how the soulical works. And that prepares us to learn how the spirit world, the, the spiritual world works, how God works. His ways are not our ways, but we were made to experience those ways. We are part of his ways. but not as long as our soul and spirit are separated. So the more our soul and spirit are reunited, the more we experience his ways, his ways of doing things, his ways of expressing himself, his ways of giving himself. So be encouraged. Start being aware during the week of when God brings your attention to something Maybe it's something new, maybe it's something old, maybe it's something you struggled with. And ask him, Lord, is this a part of my soul that you are wanting to bring my attention to because it doesn't line up with who I truly am in the, as a, in the spirit, as a spirit being? So as usual, feel free to drop me a line at diane at therainersclub.org or through the website at therainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio. Otherwise, we'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.